Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Why plant more churches? Maybe, maybe that's, that's crossed your mind. Maybe. Why plant more churches? I, I drove past two or three churches on the way to get here. So, so why, why plant more churches? Matthew 28 is known as the, the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, the, the Great Commission, and Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now I'm going to make a, a very bold statement. I believe that the Great Commission is a call to plant churches. The, the Great Commission is a call to plant churches. Spoken by, by Jesus in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission is essentially a call to plant new churches. And we can say this how? And we can say this why? We can say this because baptizing, teaching, and making disciples is exactly what churches are called to do. Right? Throughout the rest of the New Testament, that's what we see churches doing. They, they baptize, they teach, they make disciples. So those are the significant activities of the local church. Baptizing, teaching, and making disciples. Additionally, the apostles who first heard Jesus give the Great Commission, how did they respond to it? How did they respond? They, they responded by giving their, their entire lives to planting new churches. That's how the apostles responded to hearing the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. They responded by planting new churches, multiplying churches. And if the apostles heard the, the Great Commission and responded by planting churches, then should we do anything different? Is the question. And I'd also say, um, who has misunderstood the Great Commission? If we are doing anything other than planting new churches. So the Great Commission, I believe, is fulfilled through and by church planting, and the Great Commission cannot be properly fulfilled without church planting, without planting new churches. Jesus would, would often answer a question with a question. And I suppose that perhaps if you asked Jesus the question and you said, Rabbi, why, why plant more churches? What's the reason for this? Jesus, why? Why plant more churches? Then perhaps Jesus will look to you and he will ask you the question and he'll say, friends, why more people? Or why more families? Why more people or why more families? Because the truth of the matter is this. Today, right, September 26th, 2021, if everyone on earth adopted 
the mindset and said, let's no longer reproduce. Today, September 2021, if, if, if we all in the world adopted the mindset and said, we're good. There's, there's 7 billion people <clears throat> on earth, we're good. We're good. If we all adopted that mindset, then 100 years from today, it would just be an animal planet. The, the human race would have died out. Are you following me? So, so we're planting new churches for a reason. Just like we continually reproduce, we have to reproduce and continue to plant new churches. Now let me give you just a few church stats before we get into our main text this morning. Church planting stats. Between the years 2010 <coughs> and 2012, more than half of all churches in America added not one new member. Each year, nearly three million more previous churchgoers enter the ranks of the religiously unaffiliated. So as long as churches are dying, new churches are necessary. Every year in America, about 4,000 evangelical churches begin. Follow with me. Every year in America, about 4,000 evangelical churches begin. That may sound like a lot to you. Of those started, 35% close before their fifth anniversary, leaving about 2,600 new churches planted annually. While churches are dying at a significantly higher rate each year in the U.S., approximately 7,000 churches close their doors forever. All things considered, the number of churches in the U.S. is decreasing by about 4,400 churches per year, while our population is growing by about 3 million per year. Are you following me? Are you with me? Keep going. Many denominations and groups are reporting a steady decline in baptisms. The Southern Baptist Convention, for instance, has seen a steady decline in the numbers of baptisms since 1999, down by nearly 100,000 in the past 15 years. Other denominations are reporting similar statistics. So what do we do? We plant more churches. We plant more churches. That's what we do. A net gain of 3,205 churches is needed each year for the American church to keep up with population growth this is far greater than the actual yearly gain, David T. Olson. A net gain of 3,205 churches is needed each year for the American church to keep up with population growth. Today, 
of the approximately 350,000 churches in America, four out of five are either plateaued or declining. Many churches begin a plateau or slow decline about their 15th to 18th year. 80 to 85% are on the downside of this cycle. Do you guys care about the church? Uh, I'm going to ask that question again. Do you guys care about the church? You guys understand that this is Christ's bride. This is who Christ died for. The church. There is nothing more important to Jesus than the church. Maybe, maybe the stats, maybe they move you this morning, maybe they don't. But I do want you to understand that there's nothing more important. I can, I can boldly say that there's nothing more important to Jesus than the church. That is his bride. And we're not talking about a, a building. We're talking about this. We're talking about the collection, the gathering of the saints, the ecclesia. Tim Keller said, the vigorous continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for number one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city, and number two, the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planning. Amen. God willing, next week we're going to speak, speak more uh, about the, again, vision and mission of, of the Way City Church specifically. pray before we get into our text. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for, in Jesus, thank you for your love for the bride, your love for the church. Thank you that the church is the very apple of your eye. The church is the center of your affection and your love. We thank you, Lord, for the Way City Church. That you have birthed us, that you have called us to this place for such a time as this. And Father, I pray that we would all be about the mission that you have called us to. Father, we thank you now for your word in Ezekiel chapter 37. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive, that your word is powerful, that your word is sharp. And we pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would speak to us through it. Speak to us through your word, Lord. There's no place that we'd rather be right now than right here. 
And I pray that every single mind would be focused right now on God's Word. Forget about tomorrow, forget about work, forget about lunch. But just focus right now. Be in the moment of what the Spirit of God wants to do in your lives this morning. Father, we pray that as we hear your word, that our hearts will be stirred, that we would receive uh, great hope and encouragement, correction if it's necessary. But Father, I pray, as I always pray, that no one would leave this place in the same way that they came. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Verse 6, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves, 
and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Amen. And so we find ourselves this morning in the book of Ezekiel. Let me give you some context real quick. Ezekiel was a prophet and a priest during the time of the Babylonian exile. And he was around 30 years old at this time. A a prophet meaning one to whom and through whom God speaks. A priest meaning someone set apart to act as God's representative and to be a liaison between God and his people. So the book of Ezekiel records uh, six visions that was given to the prophet Ezekiel between uh, 593 and 571 BC. So approximately uh, 22 years was, was Ezekiel's ministry. And he received six visions from the Lord during that time. Again, he's, he's 30 years old. Um, he's called as a prophet and a priest. His ministry spans about 22 years. He received six visions, and this is one of the visions that we will speak about today. Let me give you some biblical history. The, the children of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. And God brought them out of Egypt. He brought, them, he brought them out of uh, slavery with his mighty hand, with a purpose. So God didn't bring them out of Egypt. God didn't bring them out of slavery just for the sake of bringing them out. He didn't deliver them just for the sake of deliverance, but he brought them out of Egypt with the intention and purpose to bring them into something. To bring them into what? To bring them into the promised land, the the land flowing with milk and honey. So God doesn't just bring us out of things for the sake of bringing us out. God doesn't just deliver us for the sake of deliverance. Whenever God brings you out of something, whenever God delivers you, it's for the purpose of bringing you into something, into his promises. So he brings them out of Egypt with the intention to bring them into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, their, their new home. And they, and they leave Egypt. And God told them this. He said, listen, in this new place, in this new land that I'm giving to you, he says, if you obey me, okay, this is your new home. When you come in, if you obey me, if you listen to me, you're going to be blessed here. You're going to be blessed. Things, things will go well for you here in this land. But if you disobey me, if you go after foreign gods and dumb idols, you're going to be cursed and you're going to be kicked out of this place. So he said, listen, you obey me, you're going to be blessed. You disobey me, a curse will come upon you and you're going to be kicked out of this land. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, right? I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, choose 
life, that you and your descendants may live. So he tells them, this is what you need to do. Just be obedient to me in the land. So the Israelites, they chose death. Death, curses, and disobedience. And as a consequence, the nation of Babylon, they came in and they, and they swept through Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city. And they kidnapped the people from their own land. So, so many are killed and the survivors are taken away hostage. They're taken away captive. They were deported and banished from their own land. This is what happened to the people because of their disobedience. Everything was taken away from them. Everything. They lost it all. And in the midst of this, God raises up Ezekiel, a prophet, and he gives him a message for the people. Now, don't forget that, that Ezekiel was also one of the ones taken captive. So, so he's a prisoner himself. He's been taken captive out of Jerusalem, and he's been taken into exile. So the message that, that God gives Ezekiel to share with his people is a message of hope. In the midst of their captivity and their bondage, the message that God gives to Ezekiel to give to his people is a message of hope. How many today need a message of, of hope? I, man, I think, we, I think we all do. See, it seems like more than ever before. In the land that we're living in, with, with everything that's going on, man, we need a message of hope. And, and that's, what, that's what God brings through Ezekiel to his people. And by the time of, of this message that God brings through Ezekiel to his people, just so you know, the people were already in bondage for over a decade. They were in bondage for over a decade. They were They were slaves. Just think, I mean, I mean, just think pandemic for over 10 years. And this is worse than that. I mean, they were, they were, they were slaves. But just to help you understand, think, think pandemic continuing for 10 years. So here they are for over a decade. They've been in bondage. Their heart, their soul, the, the faith of the people withered away and died. Until the, the people, I believe, must have felt as lifeless as the valley of dry bones that we just read about. They've lost hope, they've lost faith, they're weary, they're tired, they're fed up. Remember, their, their temple, the holy temple, was reduced to rubble. Their, their place of worship was reduced to rubble. They didn't have the same concept of worship as we have today in the New Testament. So worship was interfered with. The holy city plundered. Their young men and women slaughtered. And the ones who were not were taken 
captive to a foreign land. This is their context. This is their reality. This is their truth. And they were real people experiencing this. So the people of Israel must have wondered like Ezekiel did. Can these dry bones live? Will the Israelite community make it? Can we live again? Can, can hope be restored in the valley of despair? Were the questions that they were asking themselves. And I think, again, we ask the same questions today when we hear the statistics on churches and we see the state of the American church. It causes us to wonder. So to summarize our, our text today, real quick, the first 10 verses is the vision. Okay? The first 10 verses is the vision. It's, it's the vision that God gave to Ezekiel. By the way, a, a vision is something that God allows you to see clearly. Verse 11 is the interpretation of the vision. And a vision without interpretation is incomplete. Because without divine interpretation, you make it whatever you want to make it. You make the vision whatever you want to make the vision, and, and you yourself can, can make it to mean multiple things without divine interpretation. Verse 12a is the instruction that God gives to Ezekiel. Prophesy. That's the instruction. The instruction that God gives you after a vision is just as important as the vision. The instruction that God gives to you after a vision is just as important as the vision itself. If God gives you a vision, find out what you are to do with that vision. What do I, what do, I do with that before you decide to do anything with it? For some people, the, the first instruction that God may give to you after a vision is to be quiet. For some people, everyone wants to talk about their visions. And, 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 and some, some are man-made and, and, and some are from the Lord. But if the Lord gives you a vision, sometimes the instruction may, may be to be quiet. You don't have to share that with everyone. Not just because you believe God has given you um, a vision, it means you have to share it with the entire world. Right? You don't have to share that with everyone. God told Habakkuk to, to write the vision down to make it plain so that those who read it may be able to run with it and it shall surely come to pass. But he said, just write it down. Verse, verse 12b to 14 is the prophecy or the prophetic word of what God is going to do. Verse 12b to verse 14 is the prophecy or the prophetic word of what God is going to do. So, the dry bones, who are they? Good. The nation of Israel, right? The, the covenant people of God. They were disobedient to God and therefore they were defeated by their enemies and their flesh rotted away in the open valley. 
And this is, again, a vision. So the, the, the whole vision of Ezekiel, I believe, is held together by one word. A, a single word. And it's the word ruah. Okay? The whole vision that Ezekiel had is held together by one word, a single word. Ruah. And it occurs almost ten times in the passage. Ruah. The word means spirit, breath, or wind, depending on the context. And this is the theme that, that runs all throughout this, this vision. It is the, the, the breath of God, which is synonymous with his spirit. It's the theme that runs all throughout our text this morning, God's breath, which is, again, synonymous with his spirit. So I titled the message today, The Breath of Hope. The Breath of Hope. The Breath of Hope. For it's in the breath of God that we are reminded that he lives. That we are reminded that he lives. And as long as we know that he lives, there's hope for us in him. Amen? As long as we know that he lives, there's hope for us in him. The average person will take about 16 breaths per minute. 960 breaths per hour. 23,040 breaths per day. And in a one-year period, 8,409,600 breaths. And if we're blessed to see the age of 80, eight years old, we would have taken approximately 672,768,000 breaths in our lifetime. We need breath to, to function, to play, to dance, to work, and ultimately to live. And without breath, my friends, you are nothing. Without breath, you are nothing. Our physical bodies depend on, relies on, and anticipates our very next breath. The, the former breath can only sustain us for a few seconds before we need to breathe again. Yesterday's breath is insufficient for today and today's breath is insufficient for tomorrow. We constantly need breath. We breathe to survive, but our breath one day will expire. Our breath is limited. So let me ask you a question that I've asked some of you before. Does God breathe? Does God breathe? And the answer to that question is, is no. Not in the same way that we do. Can God breathe? Yes, 
He can. Does God breathe? No. Can He breathe? Yes. And His breath is unlimited. You see, God doesn't breathe because He's dependent on oxygen like you and I. Right? He doesn't breathe because He needs oxygen because it sustains Him. No. God breathes not for His sake, but He breathes for our sake. He doesn't breathe for Himself. He breathes for you and I. And when God breathes, things come to life. Whatever God breathes upon will come to life. We see Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed Adam of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living being or a living soul. And I've, I've said this often, but when I, when I picture Adam, I picture dust and God forms the dust with his hands and he, and he forms it into man and then how I picture it is I picture a, a shell a mannequin and Adam is just there and he's just still and he has no life whatsoever until God breathes upon him and when God breathes upon Adam, Adam takes his first breath and that's when life enters him. There's no life in Adam until God breathes into his nostrils. So God breathes upon him and life came with it. Amen? Job said this, if it were his intention, I love this, Job said, if it were his intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together, and mankind would return to the dust. Job 34, verse 14 and 15. So powerful. If God withdrew his breath, if God inhaled and took his breath back, every single one of us would hit the ground and return to dust because it's his breath that sustains us. Don't ever forget that. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our very being in every way. You think you're here this morning because you're strong. You think you make money because you're strong and because you're healthy by His grace alone, by His breath in you. If God inhaled and took His breath back, you're nothing. Don't ever forget that. So we, we come here every Sunday and throughout the week at home and we want to be what? We want to be good stewards of the breath that He's given to us. We want to use that breath and we want to, we want to worship Him with it. Amen? Is that reasonable or not? Is it reasonable? Let's be good stewards of the breath that he's given to us and worship him with it. So the whole vision of Ezekiel is, is held together by 
one word, the word ruah. Let's look at some observations real quick from the text. So Ezekiel 37, we see in verse 1, and you're going to have to follow with me here. So um, open your Bibles. Ezekiel 37. So the word ruah, we see it, verse 1. Brought me out in the spirit, ruah. Verse 5. I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Verse 6, put breath in you and you shall live. Verse 8, there was no breath in them. Verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And then finally verse 10, and breath came into them. The, the breath of God, His Spirit, changes everything. The breath of God, His Spirit, changes everything. In the Bible, oftentimes a, a valley was a place where battles were fought. And a battle took place here, and the ones in the valley lost, and they could not help themselves. So God gives Ezekiel the, the great assignment to preach to these dead people, to these, to these dry bones. And we see this word prophesy in verse 12. And in verse 12, the word prophesy can be translated basically preach. So he says, preach, speak God's word over these bones. Speak God's word in your context over these bones that are very dry, these folks that have lost hope, speak my word over them. The main theme of the passage is restoring hope to God's covenant people. That's what this is all about, restoring hope to God's covenant people. And God demonstrates in this passage that he lives, that he is alive and that he has the power to take to make the impossible possible he has the power to to make the impossible possible that's what god is is revealing to ezekiel in this passage that i can make the impossible possible and so god's power is clearly and intentionally displayed in this text the omnipotence of God. God showed us, God shows us here that his, his, his word and his spirit, that they work together. His word and his spirit, they work together. But his word without his spirit produces dead people that just look well put together. I'm going to say that again. His word without his spirit produces dead people that look well put together. When the word was spoken, the dry bones came bone to bone and they were there. Everything was attached and in place. But they were still dry and they were still 
dead. In verse 2, one of the very first observations that Ezekiel makes when he's brought by the Spirit into this valley is that it, it was full of bones and there, there were very many and they were very dry. Dryness was their culture, dryness was their reality and to be dry is to be without hope. We see that dry bones stick together. There was a culture of, of dryness here. There was a culture in the midst of the valley and they were dry because they were separated from God. That's why they were dry. They were separated from God. Disobedience led to distance which produced dryness. Disobedience led to distance which created dryness. But. Somebody say but. But when the word was spoken, things began to move. When the word was spoken, things began to move. And things which were disconnected became connected. The bones were, were connected to each other by what? By the word. But they became an exceedingly great army by the Spirit. The bones were connected to each other by the word, but they became an exceedingly great army by the Spirit. Some churches are all about the word. Exegesis and hermeneutics, homiletics and doctrine. And some churches are all about the Spirit. And they're more concerned about the experience and the encounter than they are at all about the Word. They choose an emotional Christianity over a biblical Christianity. And at the Way City Church, we believe in both. We believe in the Word and the Spirit, and we believe that the Word and the Spirit function and work together. Amen. The Word is our foundation, and the Word is also the foundation by which we judge spiritual things. The Word and the Spirit are one. The Word and the Spirit. And, and what I said, I'm telling you to be true. There, there are many churches that, that are all about word and completely neglect the spirit. And there are many churches that completely neglect the word and they're all just about experience and feelings. The word and the spirit, the two are one. They do not work independently of one another, but they always work together. The word prophesy. The word prophesy. In, in verse 4, we see it in verse 4, and twice in verse 9, and in verse 12, we see that. It's a Hebrew word that's called nabah. Now, nabah, nabah, to prophesy. Nabah is to, is to speak the word of God under the influence of the divine spirit. That's 
That's powerful. To prophesy is nabai. It's to speak the word of God under the divine influence of the Spirit. You see the two working together, the word and the Spirit. So you're speaking God's word under the divine influence of the Spirit. And that's exactly what, what Ezekiel did here. He spoke God's word under the influence of the divine Spirit. And now Ezekiel is invited to speak life into his context as God spoke life into Adam in Genesis chapter 2. And I believe that we are called to also speak life into our context. We're to speak life in the midst of death and chaos and confusion and hopelessness. We're to speak life into our community and into the lives of those who are around us. God uses Ezekiel he, he, he invites, God invites Ezekiel into his kingdom work and he allows Ezekiel to be a part of his kingdom work. The word and the spirit are one. Ezekiel speaks God's word. He speaks God's word to the bones first. Not his own word, but he speaks God's word. He doesn't decide what he's going to speak, but he speaks God's word to the bones. And it's interesting that, that God never spoke his own word. He told Ezekiel to speak his word. So God calls Ezekiel and says, you speak my word. He invites him in. And I believe that this is the prophetic word for, for today. I believe that God is speaking over all of our churches today. In 2021, I believe God is speaking over all of our churches today. And, and the church is full of, of people, right? And if the people are dead and dry and without hope, then guess what? The churches will be dead and dry and without hope. So I believe in, in context, we can say that God is prophetically speaking to our churches and saying to us, his, his New Testament church, the New Testament covenant people of God, that he is with us. And he's breathing life upon us. I believe that God is doing that, and I believe that God wants to do that. That he's breathing life upon us in this place. And then we will rise up by faith in an ungodly generation and proclaim Boldly, the gospel of truth in love. But we know that it's only the truth that will set our generation free. And that it's only Jesus who can save. Amen? So finally, like the, the dry bones in the valley. Just like the dry bones in the valley of despair. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins until God sent Jesus, just like God sent Ezekiel, to the valley. And Jesus, just like Ezekiel did, Jesus only spoke the words that he heard from his Father. He only spoke God's word to us. In fact, he was God's word. Jesus himself was God's word to us. And he died for us so that we might become the righteousness 
or so that we might become the righteous army that God has always intended. Amen? So in conclusion, can you hear the sound of dry bones rattling around you? Can you hear the sound? Can you hear the sound of dry bones rattling around you in your neighborhood, at work, in your community? Can you hear the sound of dry bones rattling? Can you hear it? Hearing the the sound of the dry bones is only the beginning of God's work. It's only the beginning of what God desires to do. And in order for new life to come, we must always be open to fresh winds of the Spirit. That doesn't mean that that, that we reinvent the church, but it does mean that we aggressively and intentionally plant churches and multiplying churches at that. We were uh, blessed in the middle of a pandemic to be able to, um, to help support uh, one, two, um, two churches. And then actually, we also um, helped uh, just in the last month um, two other church plants. One is Thirst, Thirst Church, Pastor um, Ade, who has spoken here before online. Um, so he just launched uh, the same day that we, that we launched. So we helped, helped them uh, as well get started. And then we also are helping a, a church that actually launches today. Um, uh, Pastor uh, John Healy. Um, and he is in, um, he's in uh, Crozet, Crozet, uh, Virginia. Um, so he, yeah, he launches today and we were able to help them. Uh, we were also able to, to help a brand new church in Ethiopia, um, a brand new church plant in Ethiopia that we were able to help. So I praise God for that, right? I mean, I, yeah, praise the Lord. And this is like, this was in the midst of, a, of the pandemic when we were, you know, um, doing stuff, you know, online as well. And, you know, and, and man, just a brand new church plant ourselves. So, and we're going to continue to support church plants. Um, so, uh, yeah, Pastor Zelika actually just went to Ethiopia this past week and he's doing ministry out there, so, so pray for him. Um, we were actually planning um, a trip uh, as well, but we actually, our family postponed um, our trip. But pray for, pray for Pastor Zelika as he's out there. So Ezekiel, he, he watched the Spirit of God move. He, he watched the Spirit of God move. He, God breathed life into bones that were, that were dead. And God used Ezekiel again in his context. He said, look around you, Ezekiel. This is your context. And I want you to speak life into those that are around you. And God used him to be a part of what he was doing. Let's stand up, please. Bow your heads, please. Just take a few moments and think about the word that you heard today. 
the word for you. And again, we must be open to the creative winds of the Spirit. Because contrary to what you may have read in a book or online, God is not dead. The church is no grave for Christ and no cemetery for the people of God. Amen? Because we know there's no grave that can hold Christ's body. There's no grave that can hold his body down and no grave that can hold the body of Christ down either, the church. Christ brings us from death to life, from curses to blessing, from hopelessness to hope. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. Father, your word says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And right now in this place, Lord God Almighty, I speak life over every individual in this room. Those who feel hopeless, those who are confused, those who are weary, those who are tired, those who are depressed. Those who may have even had suicidal thoughts in the midst of this pandemic. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch them this morning. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would restore hope this morning. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that where hope has been lost, that you bring joy, that you bring freedom. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would encourage every mind, every spirit, every soul in this place. Father, we thank you that your word works. We thank you that your spirit is present. And Father, I pray for times of refreshing. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would, Father, as, as Ephesians tells us, that we are to continually be filled with your Spirit. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would fill us up to overflowing with your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord God Almighty. Be magnified in us and through us. And Father, we come against all of the schemes and the works of the wicked one. And Satan, we say the Lord rebuke you in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. That every stronghold, every grip on the minds and hearts of this people this morning, that they would be loosed, that they would be free. In the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for life, Lord God Almighty. I pray, Lord, Lord for, for fresh understanding of your word. I pray for fresh vision that every individual in this place would be able to see clearly what you are doing in their lives, in their family, in this community, in their church. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that you do all things well. We thank you, Lord, that you bring us back to life through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you're in this room this morning, I plead with you to call upon him right where you are, in your seat. Call upon him. If he has not saved you, if you are not saved, if you are lost, call upon him right where you are and I promise you that he will save you 
this morning for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved acknowledge your sin acknowledge your your dryness acknowledge your disobedience and as you do that this morning he will bring hope to you he will restore you he will fill you with his spirit he'll clothe you in his righteousness and he'll make you a part of an exceedingly great army the body of Christ so confess your sin before him and be forgiven this morning by his grace and by his mercy and be restored and refreshed and made new in Jesus name we'd love to hear from you visit us at thewaycitychurch.org